0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How are we? Good? Yes? Decent? Fair? Is it super loud or is it just me? It's a little loud? It's a little hot? I think they say hot in the, uh, in the, tech, in the tech world. It's a little hot, Casey. Can we turn it down uh, three decibels? Decibel, de, deci- just three. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. So you just, uh, just throw out words sometimes. Here, here's a little tip. Here's a little tip, right? So sometimes you're reading the Bible and you're like, I don't have a clue how to pronounce this word. Neither does anybody else. Say it confidently and everybody will think you're right. That's the, that's the pro tip for, for reading something. And that's not just in the Bible, right? Like, just say it confidently. Like, yeah, three decibels, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, three decibels, right? Use it. No one knows. Um, just roll with it. So that's going to throw me off. All right. So Ephesians chapter five and into chapter six a little bit. Um, man, for real, that's not going to work. Maxwell, dude, I am switching up on you because that is just going to distract me. I'm easily distracted. I'm at seven on the Enneagram. If anybody does the Enneagrams, and apparently they're like the, uh, what is it, the, the dog in up? This is like squirrel. Like, is that right? It's the dog, right? And up. I'm getting a bunch of blank faces. That's a fantastic movie. I wish I should know more about it. Then, Um, but yeah, easily distracted. A wobbly music stand is going to kill me. So, we're just going to do that, like so. All right, Ephesians chapter five into verse into chapter six. Um, Man, this is a this is one of those passages that gets a lot of airtime because for a lot of people, it's like, whoa, timeout. What are we saying here? Where are we going? Um, and so it's, I was a little nervous going into this to, to be honest, right? So culturally we get to, to verse 22 and verse 24, where it's like wives submit to your own husbands, um, verse 24, uh, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And, And we're like, hold on, whoa, what does that mean? Uh, we get down to chapter six, bond servants, obey your earthly masters, Um, And so we get some some potentially controversial topics here in these chapters What's interesting is no one ever brings up the children obey your parents part. No one's like wait What do we mean by that? Like should we should we talk more about this verse cuz? No, that one just kind of gets skipped over Um, And so we read this and immediately we start thinking like like oppression the Bible is oppressive And and it's it's condoning slavery and it's condoning uh, sexism and and what is this what is happening here? What is it saying and so Um, let me just, let me just go ahead and ease some of the tension up front, potentially. Um, Nowhere in the scripture does the Bible ever condone slavery as, as we understand slavery through the, the slave trade uh, that our country and other countries have encountered. Nowhere does the Bible condone that ever. Nowhere does the Bible condone that women are less than men. That, that they, they you know, walk behind and kind of lower their head, and right? Like, nowhere does the scripture condone that. Galatians 3 makes it incredibly clear that there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Jew nor Greek, but all are one in Christ, right? So the scripture is incredibly clear about that. So ladies, now you are valued immensely um, in, the, in this church, and if you're not outside of this church, you should be. You should be valued immensely. Um, no one here, you're not going to hear at all, like, hey, know your place, be quiet, and get in the kitchen. Like, that's, that is not going to come from here today or from the Scripture. So just to go ahead and say that up front, um, hopefully that will ease some of the tension. That, that's not at all what I believe is being taught here or anywhere else in the Scripture. But as we get going, it is, okay, what does this mean? Um, but before we, we really get going into, you know, wives, submit to your husbands, and so on, uh, we, have to put the right, we have to put the right lenses on with which to read the, these books. Verses to, with which to see these relationships, right? So have you, any, who wears glasses? Any glasses? Just hold it up high, be proud. Maybe about half? Okay, right on. So if you, if you wear glasses or if you don't or, and you've put on someone else's glasses that aren't yours, Right, like that doesn't go well. Your head starts to hurt. You struggle to see things. You've got to have the right lenses on in order to see things properly. And and that is what is so incredibly important about these verses. As we get into these relationships wives and husbands, children and parents, bond servants and masters, and really the way that should, I mean, that can be interpreted is employees and employers, right? That's what it's talking about the work relationship there. So as we get into those, we have to have the right lens on. Now, what's unfortunate about most English translations, not all of them, but most, the one that I'm reading from, that Adam read from, the ESV, it starts a new section in verse 22, right? How, how many of your Bibles start a new section in verse 22? Just curious to see, again, raise your hand if, if your Bible starts a new section in verse 22. Okay, so it looks look like the majority. Well, unfortunately, and I don't know why it's, it's printed like this, in the Greek, there's a period after verse 20. And a new paragraph actually begins with verse 21, not verse 22. So I I don't understand why some English translations print it this way. But there's a period after verse 20, so it stops. Verse 21 then begins this whole new section. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your husband, and so on. Right? So we oftentimes read this verse 22 like it's separate. Wives submit to your husbands. But you can't read this verse or any other verse without also reading verse 21. That, that's how it is put together in the Greek. So we can read it out of reverence for Christ submitting to one another. Right? We haven't even talked about wives or husbands, children or parents, you know, employers or employees. We're just talking about the Bible says out of reverence for Christ submitting to one another. We could just stop there for a while. So, we have to read this in the right lens. And we have to know that this phrase, the the last five verses out of the ESVR, the last five words, out of reverence for Christ, it gives us the why. It it tells us why we are talking about everything that we're about to talk about. That that the way we treat people, the way we have relationships as husbands and wives, as children and parents, as as bondservants and masters, is out of reverence for Christ. It is an act of worship. Our relationships with one another is an act of worship. The way we love God is demonstrated in the way that we love and treat one another. And so more than this being about different relationships, more than this being about how wives treat husbands and how husbands treat wives and how children and parents and employees more than all of that, this is a passage about our heart posture before the Lord that moves us then to how we treat other people. Before it's like, okay, what do we do with our our marriages? What do we do with our our parents? Before that, we have to go to verse 21 and say, where is our heart postured before the Lord? Are we approaching our marriages? Are we approaching our working relationships? Are we approaching our parents and family relationships out of reverence for Christ? Is our heart set to surrender to Christ? If we miss this, then the next verses don't, they don't matter. We're going to get them wrong. We have to get the right lenses on. And the lens that Paul gives us is that far more than our relationships with each other, this is about our relationship with God and how we are going to revere Christ and worship him and make him all. So, so here's the deal about scripture, right? If we want to follow Christ, come on, let's follow Christ. The invitation from Jesus is the most inclusive invitation. Everybody gets an invitation to come and follow Christ. But let's be very clear on what that means, right? Let's know what we're saying when we say we're going to follow Jesus. So Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus gives a very clear answer. He says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If anyone in this room wants to follow Jesus, the invitation is, come on, come follow Jesus. And here's what it means. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross and follow him. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The call to follow Jesus is the call to lay down and surrender all of myself and to pick up and follow his will and to follow his lead. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he he has this famous quote that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That if we're gonna say yes, I'm gonna follow Jesus, then I am willing to say no to myself and yes to everything he has. That that my relationships in my marriage are first and foremost a, a, a demonstration of my obedience and worship of Jesus before my love or care for another person. If I don't love my wife well, then I don't love Jesus well because Jesus tells me to love my wife. If I don't treat my employees well, or as an employee, if I don't you know, respect my boss well, then that is first and foremost a disrespect to Jesus, not to my boss. If as a child I'm disobedient to my parents, as a parent, if I'm harsh on my kids and move them to anger, that is first and foremost a lack of worship for my Savior than it is a, a misrepresentation in a horizontal relationship. Because Jesus says we come and we lay everything down. We lay it all down. And, and we follow him. Our obedience to him is our love to him. So John 14 says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So our love is reflected by our obedience to him. Now, here's the great news about following Jesus, about dying to ourselves, as he tells us in Luke 9, right? When you lose your life, actually, that's when you're going to find it. The promise of scripture, even when sometimes it doesn't make sense, even when it says the road is narrow, right? And we're like, I don't know, God. The promise of scripture is that when we leave our lives behind and follow Jesus, that that is actually when we're going to find the most in life, that we're created for that, And when we live according to the purpose we're created for, that's when we thrive. So when we, when we lay down ourselves and our own wills and our own preferences, the promise of scripture is you're actually going to find the peace and joy in life that you're looking for. But so often, right, we want to hold tight. We want to hold tight to our ways and our wants and what we think makes sense. Like this can't go well. If, if this happens, then that's gonna go south. If I do this, then no way. If I lay down my preference for my spouse, what if they don't prefer me back? Right, if I submit to my boss, what if my boss doesn't ever acknowledge me or give me a raise or promote me? What, what, if, they, what if they never commended me for my work? And the promise of scripture is, hey, when you lay down your life and follow Jesus, you're actually gonna find life. And it may not make sense to the world around us, and the world around you is not going to tell you That this is the way to go, but the promise of Scripture is that when we submit our lives to Him and His will and what His Word says, that is where we will find life. So, the question as we move into these relationships is first this are you willing to deny yourself and follow Him in all ways, all times? Or, or, or do you want to do what, what I've so often done? Like, yes, God, but let me hold on to this. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, but don't tell me how to treat my relationships. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, but don't, don't tell me how to handle my sexuality. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, but don't tell me how to handle my finances. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I want to set out my vocational path. Yes, like how often we want to do that, right? Like I want to deny myself, Jesus, but I also want to hold tightly to this part of myself. Thank you. I like surely I'm not the only one here. In the promise of Scripture, the invitation from Jesus is not, No, 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 lay it all down. All of it. And find life. And follow. So are you, are you willing to deny yourself? Whatever that may be, whatever the Lord says, and follow Him. That's the lens we walk into this with. Out of reverence for Christ. And then it says, what do we do? We submit to one another. Wives submit to husbands. Husbands, it's the same verb submit to one another. You're submitting to your wives. Employees, you're submitting to your bosses. Bosses, you're submitting to your employees. Children, you're submitting to your parents. Parents, you're submitting to your children. We're submitting mutually to one another. That word submitting is, is what Vince talked about. It is a willing choice to lift up another before self. It is a willing choice to prefer and follow another and to search for the good of another before yourself. That's what it means to submit to. To submit is to, is to lift someone else up. And so we have to know that first and foremost, this passage, this controversial topic, oftentimes is first and foremost about glorifying and worshiping our Lord, and then the good of others, and then we can start talking about our preferences, right? But we got plenty to talk about before we get to ourselves. We're called to glorify God and to seek the good of others. It is this posture of humility. That's why Vince, we, this is more about humility than anything else. It is more about humility and our worship of the Lord and our seeking of the good of another before ourselves. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One of the most beautiful things that I love about this call to humility is that God doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't first done himself in Jesus. Have you thought about that? God is calling us to lay down our lives and to submit to his will. And the beautiful thing is that he says, I'll go first. And Jesus comes in humility and lets go of his rights. Like, we think we have rights. Like, hey, I have this right. I deserve this. I'm owed this. Jesus has rights. The king and creator of the world has all the rights in the world, and he willingly lets them go so that he can come and take the posture of a servant to you and to me. So that he can lift us up instead of himself. This humility of Jesus who who only did the will of the Father, who only said what the Father told him to say, Right, who, who who knelt in the garden and prayed, God, I don't want to go to the cross, but not my will be done, your will be done. And he submitted himself to the will of the Father. And because of that, because of his submission to the will of the Father, because of his submission and humility to our good, you know what we get to receive? Anybody? Life. That our full record of sins, the Full record of our sins, every action we've done and every thought and motive we've had that we pray no one will ever know. That full record of sin is nailed to the cross in the humility of Jesus. And so here's the call. We are called to follow in humility, but if we don't want to follow in humility, then we don't get the humility of Jesus. We don't get to stand here and say, yes, Jesus, give me your humility, but I'm going to be prideful on my own. If we want the humility of Jesus and the blessing of Jesus, then the call is also to follow in his footsteps in humility and to die to ourselves. We have got to stop living so inwardly focused. And I'm the first to admit that. This is a call out of reverence for Christ to submit our lives to him. And in him, we will find life. And this book has been rocking my world. It's, it's called Humility by Andrew Murray. It's, it's short. I need little books because I'm a fantastic book starter and a terrible book finisher. Um, and so I need little books. The, we have, I don't know, a dozen of these copies around. If you want one and you will read it, take it. And, and if you go out there to get one and they're all gone, just tell me and I'll order more. Like, I, I just think it's so, I like guess it's just been rocking our world. And one of the quotes that I love comes from page 22, And it says, this life of entire self-abnegation, absolute submission and dependence upon the Father's will, Christ found to be one of perfect peace and joy. I love that line. This total dying to self, Christ found to be perfect peace and joy. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. He lost nothing by giving all to God. He lost nothing by giving all to God. God honored his trust and did all for him and then exalted him to his right hand in glory. And because Christ had thus humbled himself before God and God was ever before him, he found it possible to humble himself before men too and to be the servant of all. His humility was simply the surrender of himself to God to allow him to do in him what he pleased, whatever men around might say of him or do to him. It is in this state of mind, in this spirit and disposition that the redemption of Christ has its virtue and efficacy. It's the humility of Jesus who willingly let go of what was his in order to submit himself to the will of the Father and to submit himself to our good that shapes the entire book that we read. You cannot read Genesis or Revelation and not see the humility of God toward us. And that is our call here in Ephesians 5. Before we ever get to what wives do, or husbands do, or children, or parents, or employees, or employers, this is our call. Submit your life to one another out of worship for Jesus, who first did it for us. When that is the lens, it doesn't matter what comes next, right? Like, we can stop there and just say, okay, Jesus, I'm yours. Now, whatever comes, I'm in. Let's go. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time, but I'm in. I lay down my life and I'm willing to follow you, Jesus. It's important that we have these lens on. This is how we can then move into the next verses. So I, 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 this is a lot of verses, so we'll spend the bulk of the time on the bulk of the verses, which is wives and husbands, and then we'll probably go a little quicker through children, parents, and, and employers and employees. But um, let, let's move on then, okay? Let's, let's read it in context. Submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ, wives. That next word in the English translation, submit, isn't even in the Greek. Like, it's just continuing from verse 21. So it's submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. So we have this lens of, okay, everybody, all of us, we are submitting our lives to one another out of worship for Jesus. Now, wives, you've got your husbands, Right? We're going to submit to them, wives. That's what, that's what we're called to do is to submit to your husbands. Now this word, it carries this English connotation. We're like, what does that mean? Like, right? They're supposed to be quiet and, and they're not supposed to speak up. They're not supposed to think for themselves. They're not supposed to ever do anything for themselves. They're supposed to stay quiet in the background and, and whatever the husband says and however he presses down on them and rules over them, that's what wives are called to do. And that is not at all what this verse means. This word submit is one used among equals. So you, you'll see in, in, once we get to chapter six, that the verb changes to obey your parents. It's a different verb. Those verbs are used when there's a difference in org chart, when there's a, a difference in, in rank. The word submit that Paul uses is a word used among equals. So even the mindset where we're like, oh man, the Bible is oppressive, well, that's not even what the Bible's saying. It's saying to prefer your husbands, to lift them up, to put their will, to put their desire, to put their preferences above your own, to submit to Jesus, or to submit to your husband as you are submitting to the Lord. It is an act of worship. So this doesn't mean that, that women are less than men. It doesn't mean that, that women are, wives are less than their husbands. It doesn't mean that they don't get a voice. It doesn't mean that they can be abused or led into sin, right? It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. This is worship. So if your husband is leading you into something that is not worshipful, first our allegiance is to the Lord, then to our spouses. So wives, if you have a husband that is going to lead you away from God, no, you don't do that. that, That's not, no. No. If you have a husband who is abusive and not reflecting the care of God, then no, you get out of that. You don't sit in there and be abused by a man who is mistreating God's creation. You, you step away and you love and you forgive, but you call the police. That is not at all what Paul is teaching here. He's teaching that as we worship Jesus, as we submit to him, we submit to others and wives, to your husband's. We submit to one another. So practically, what does this look like? Now, there's a huge clue that we see in verse 24. That, that, we'll just read 23 and 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So the role that, that we'll talk about in a second for husbands is that God has called the husband to, to lead the family, right? Like there's different roles and God's called the husband to lead the family. It's just like a play. If you're going to come watch a play, you're going to have different roles, right? If you're going to go see Aladdin on Broadway, I don't even know if Aladdin's on Broadway. If it's not, it should be. But if you're going to go see Aladdin on Broadway, you're going to have, you're gonna have um, Aladdin and you're going to have Jasmine and they're both fulfilling different roles, but you have to see both roles in order to see the full story. You can't just have Jasmine show up and be like, I'm going to be Aladdin. And Aladdin's like, I'm Aladdin. Jasmine like, I'm Aladdin, right? Like, you're not going to see the, you won't see the story. Does that make sense? And so God is trying to tell a story in marriages. He's trying to paint a picture in marriages. And wives have a role, and husbands have a role. And they're all trying to tell one story. And we can jump down, I should have already started here, to what that story is. Verse 31 Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So conclusion, the goal of a marriage, the purpose of a marriage between a husband and wife, as the husband leaves home and joins with his wife, is to tell the story of the gospel. That the world is to watch and to see through a husband and to see through a wife the love of Jesus and the love of the church and how they're united as one. That's the purpose of a marriage. That is the end all story. But you've gotta have different roles to tell that story. And so wives, it says that your your role is to love your husband as the church loves Christ. That we're to paint the picture of the church to Jesus. And so how does the church love Christ? How are we as a church called to love Christ? Well, we can go back to Luke 9 again, right? We're called to lay down ourselves and to follow Jesus. We're, we're to follow his lead. We're to, to shine the light. John the Baptist, he, he said, I'm supposed to shine the light on Jesus. That is my purpose here is to, to shine the spotlight on Jesus so that everybody sees Jesus. And so I think that the best way I can describe what does this mean to submit to your husband as the church submits to Christ is to willingly and joyfully honor your husband in following his lead. To willingly and joyfully honor your husband in following his lead. It says says down in verse 33, right, that the wife sees that she respects her husband. That the wife has to respect her husband, to honor him, to lift him up. So I believe the role that God wants for wives in telling the story of the gospel is to honor your husband as the church honors Christ, is to willingly and joyfully lift him up. It wouldn't make sense for us, the church, to be like, oh gosh, I hate Jesus. Like, let me try to diminish Jesus. Let me try to to push away from Jesus. Let me shine the spotlight on myself, right? Like That's what happened with John the Baptist, The disciples are like, hey, John, everybody's going to be baptized by Jesus now. No one's coming and hanging out with us anymore. And John's like, whoa, of course, that's great. Because he's the main deal. It's supposed to be about Jesus. I must decrease and he must increase. See, John knew that the role of the church was to shine the light on Jesus and to increase him. That's what the church exists for. And so the role of the wife is is to honor and to willingly and joyfully follow his lead and to lift up her husband To shine the light on him. So practically, what does this look like for you as wives? I believe this means that you surrender the final say to him. That as we surrender the final say to Jesus, he gives us freedom. He gives us options. And, you know, when we talk about moving here to Austin, right? Like, okay, God, where do we move to start a church? And and we very clearly heard God say, hey, you can move wherever. Just go start a church. Obedience is to start a church. He gets the final say on that. If, if we want out, it's like, all right, God, it's your call. You get the final say. He invites us in to walk in freedom, but he ultimately says, I am the Lord and you follow me. And so his, his wives are saying, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm going to willingly give up and follow your lead. I'm going to follow your lead. That doesn't mean you don't get a voice. It doesn't mean you don't get a vote. It doesn't mean you don't sit around the table and talk about it and weigh pros and cons. It just means at the end of the day, you're going to say, all right, if we disagree, I'm following you. If we disagree, I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to trust your lead. Wives, your husbands, I believe, will stand before the Lord one day and give account on how he led your family. I believe that he is responsible for answering before the Lord how he led the family, and you're responsible for saying, and I followed his lead. Again, not to sin, not, not to harm, but, but to submit and say, all right, I'm following you. It's to hold on loosely and to prefer and to give to him. I think practically also, it means wives submitting to your husband um, in order to help them be the man that God intends them to be. It means preferring them and lifting them up and doing everything in your power to make them the man that God intends them to be to care for him and to to encourage him and, and to help him grow in his faith and grow as a leader. Now like we see that the church Christ didn't need that help. But husbands, we need a lot of help. Like men need a lot of help in growing into who God's created them to be, which is why God gave Adam a helper to create this community and to help him be who God created him to be. And so wives, I think it means that when you submit to your husband, you're doing everything in your power to help him be the man that God created him to be. So, so wives and, and future wives, you have been given a lot of power by the Lord. There's no one on this planet that can build a husband up more than you And there's no one on this planet that can crush a husband more than you. You've been entrusted with a heavy responsibility to encourage and to prefer and to lift up and to care for him. And so learn what that means for him. Learn how to encourage him, learn how to speak his love language. Learn what spurs him on. Learn what lightens his soul. Pray for him. And when you think, okay, I've done it all, keep going. Keep going. Help your husband be the man that God created him to be. For God's glory and for his good. Out of humility and reverence for Christ. There is no greater calling that you'll have than that. Lastly, I think it means in everything. He says, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Again, this is not in sin. This is not in harm's way. It just means that this doesn't have an end date. This doesn't mean that when your husband is loving you well, that's when you'll do this. When you like what he's doing, that's when you'll do this. When things are going well and the bank account is full, that's when you'll do this. I mean, it's on the best days, you're going to submit to him and lift him up and encourage him. And it's when the bottom has fallen out and you don't even recognize the man that you're married to anymore. You're going to love him and submit to him and lift him up and prefer him. And this is not easy. And Men, men we're a mess. But God has given you the power of the Spirit to fulfill this role so that the onlooking world can see how the church worships Jesus and lifts up Jesus by the way that you lift up your husband. It's a high calling. This is what I think wives are called to. Then we get to husbands. In verse 25. Husbands, lead your wives as Christ led the church. Right? No. No. You'd think, right, that when God says, hey, wives, submit to your husbands, right, like the the world that wants to say, like, that's an oppressive rule, then the next verse should say, husbands, lead your wives. But it doesn't. God's focus for husbands is not on power or force or, or even leading. God's focus on husbands is for them to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is the focus for husbands, not on making your point known or being the man and wearing the pants. It's on loving your bride as Jesus loves the church. That is the call for husbands, to submit yourself to your wife in the same way that Jesus submitted himself to us. I promise you, there's not a wife in the world who will, not have, who will struggle to submit when their husband is loving her like Jesus loves her. It's, it's It makes it so easy for wives when when husbands, we will do this. When we will love as Jesus has loved us at every moment of every day, right? We know that Jesus loves us. How great is his love? We know it, that he he left everything in order to come and and make us his bride, that he put us above himself, that he sacrificed and served us even when we were walking away and betraying, that, that he gave everything for our good. And husbands, that's our role. Is that we give everything for the good of our bride? That that we sacrifice everything that we can, that we spend our energy and our efforts to lift her up. Why? To sanctify her, it says. To cleanse her by the washing of the words that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus came to make us holy. To make us holy. And husbands, now he says, hey, go and spend your life in efforts to make your wife shine before the Lord. Lay your life down. Do anything and everything in order to lift her up. That she would shine before the Father in heaven. That's, that's the role of husbands. And so practically, we serve. We lay our life down we get up off the couch and we go do the dishes. We, we find out ways that serve her. We find out ways that, that elevate her, that care for her, that, that lighten her load, and we go and we do it. We don't wait for her to say it or for her to tell us. We, we get up, we take the initiative, and we go and we lay our lives down for our wives. We go and we lay our lives down for our wives on the good days and on the bad days. When she's loving us in return and when she's giving us what we want, we lay our lives down. And when she's not, when, when, when she's not at all and we just kind of like, I don't know if I even like this person anymore, we lay our lives down in love for her. We prefer her over ourselves. We lead spiritually. Right? We wash our wives in the word. When was the last time husbands in the room or, or men who have girlfriends or, or fiancées, when was the last time you sat down with your lady and you said, hey, let's read the scripture together? Hey, let me, let me pray over you. Hey, tell me about what you're reading in the word. When was the last time you created space for your wife to go and to sit at the feet of Jesus free of, of, of trouble and anxiety? We're, we're to lead spiritually. We're to, to model it. Men, our, our ladies, our wives, they should be following our lead into Jesus, right? Like when they look around, they're like, man, who's leading the way to Jesus? They should see us. We should be the ones where they're like, man, I want, I want to know Jesus like my husband knows Jesus. That's how I want to know Jesus. Men, is that, is that what you think would be said of you by the ladies? That when they're looking for someone to follow, to know Jesus more, are they gonna see you ahead? To be quite honest, we have a problem in our country. Maybe it's the world, I can't speak to it, but I'm gonna speak of here. And then we've got a lot of boys in a man's body. We've got a lot of women who are leading the way and praise God, keep going. I'm speaking to the men, we got a lot of boys. We gotta step up and be men spiritually. We gotta stop being selfish, egotistical, arrogant, narcissistic boys. I got three girls. I'm terrified of what the future looks like for them. Because I've served as a student pastor, I've seen the culture, man, and there's just not a lot of men out there. I'm sure some of the ladies in here are like, Amen, come on. Right? Man, come on, fellas. We've got a long way to go. Start here. Let's start, let's start with us. Let's be the men that God calls us to be. Thirdly, practically, the, the husband, he nourishes and cher- cherishes his wife. He protects her, he fights for her, he treasures her. And she is the apple of his eye. He's not easily distracted by other ladies around him. He makes her safe and comfortable and secure because he nourishes and cherishes her. How many times have you thought like, oh man, Jesus only loves me somewhat. Like I don't know if I don't know. Love of Jesus is just eh. now we know the love of Jesus for us. Husbands, we're to love our wives that way. And here's the deal, we have the power of the Spirit of God in us to do it. No matter what comes your way, wives, husbands, no matter what comes your way, we have the Spirit of God in us to enable us to do this. Where we submit to one another, Romans says we we outdo one another in showing honor, that that we're just constantly trying to prefer and to lift up and to care and and to to serve and to give to the other before ourselves. And we're we're just willing to lay our lives down and to submit to one another. Why? Out of worship and reverence for Christ. So whether if you're married today Wives, the way that you submit to your husband is the way you worship God. Husbands, the way that you love your wife as Jesus loves us is the way you worship God. You want to get married one day? File that away. That the way we treat our spouses is the way that we worship God if we do it according to his scripture. It's not just for happiness or whatever. This is to worship our Lord. that that husbands or wives should experientially know Jesus more because they're married to us, right? They should know the love of Jesus more because they're married to us. Husbands or wives, your husbands should know the love of Christ, the love of the gospel in submitting to them. It's, It's a mutual submission where we see and know Jesus more because of it. That's the end goal. That's what it's about. Are we willing to deny ourselves and to say, God, I want you to be seen in my marriage above all else? Then we get to chapter 6. And I don't have a clue where I am on time. I think I'm to wrap it up. So I'll be quick. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the, the fifth commandment, um, the first one with a promise, right? That it may go well with you. So children are called to obey their parents as we obey the Lord, right? Like us obeying our parents is an act of obeying the Lord. Again, not towards sin, not towards harm, right? We don't, we don't say, okay, God, I'm going to disobey you so I can obey my parents. The Lord trumps all. But we're called to obey our parents, to honor them. So th- there can become a question then of like, where, does that is that forever? Like, do, do I obey my mom and dad if they're like, hey, you need to go to bed at 9 o'clock? Like, am I supposed to obey to that? So the best that I can tell in this and what I've read from commentaries is that if you're, if, if you're a minor, if you're a child, that you're called to obey your parents. Or even if you're not a minor, but you're a dependent, if mom and dad are paying for everything, like, I, I believe scripture says you're to obey them. As far as you can, you're to obey them. But it also says, right, to honor. There's another word there, honor. So I think even as you you grow out of that, we're still called to honor our mom and dad forever and ever and ever. we're called to lift them up, to respect them, to care for them. We call them, we call mom on Mother's Day and we say, hey, I love you. And dad on Father's Day and birthdays, we we thank them, we care for them as they get older and they can't care for themselves. And we're called to honor our parents as an act of worship to the Lord. So again, it's not whether we like what our parents are saying or not, it's whether we're going to worship and submit to the Lordship of Christ. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So as parents, as fathers and as mothers, as parents, we're called not to press down on our children to be like, hey, obey the scripture, obey me, right? This is what the Bible says, do what I tell you to do obey me no we're called to train them and to shape them up as followers of Jesus that is our first priority now sometimes that means discipline Hebrew says that our father will discipline us because he loves us so sometimes yeah it is teaching them you will do what I say because we're called to do what our father says and so we teach our kids to obey us so that we, they will obey our heavenly father So there's times, yes, as parents, we're called to be firm, but we're not called to press and and to push down and to move them to anger and to break their wills. We're called to build them up and to shape them into sons and daughters that follow after Jesus. That's our calling as parents. Next verse is bond servants obey your earthly masters. Again, um, this the, the the word here is it, it, some translations will say slaves. It is not talking about the slave trade as we know it. It is more so talking about contract employees. So a bond servant was someone who committed to a length of time working in this in some form of employment, and they got paid. They had families. They could buy property, right? Like they they had a life. I think about like professional athletes. They signed a contract, man. They are on that team for however long, right? But they're still getting paid. They're still, so it's, it's one of those things like when you sign a contract, you're, you're still free, but you're committing to a length of time. That's what we're talking about here when the Bible talks about slaves and bond servants was, was really contract employees. And so he's saying that obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ Christ. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Now, like, how many times, I think it was like four times in those three verses where he's like, you do this as to Christ, unto the Lord, work unto the Lord, right? So summary statement, whatever job you're in, work as unto the Lord. That the Lord would say, I am proud of that work, great job. Right? We, we do this with humility and sincere hearts to our employees. Not, as a, not by eye service, not just trying to do the, the simplest. You know, eye service, like, oh yeah, you look on the surface and everything looks good, but kid beneath it, network is not so great. Like, do quality work. Do work that the Lord will be proud of. We're working unto the Lord. No matter what your boss says or does or how they treat you. You don't like your job, put in an application somewhere else. All right, like look for a new, a new job, but while you have that job, respect your boss. Work hard unto the Lord. Do a good job that God would be honored in the way that you work and handle your relationship with your employers. But employers, I love this, verse 9, masters, do the same to them. So first, if you are a boss at any level, Everything that God just said, of you, said of, of you being an employee, you're called to do to your employees. To care for them, to treat them well, to work and lead as unto the Lord. So, so you're, you have all the same. Where'd it go? Plus, and stop your threatening, right? So masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. So do everything that the Bible just said and stop lording your role over them. Stop walking around and being like, hey, do you know where my office is? Like having that, that arrogance that, that it's kind of oppresses your employees beneath you. We're to work and to treat people as unto the Lord. We're working unto Christ. Good work, quality work, with sincere hearts before the Lord. We, we, we could obviously spend a lot more time here. But what, what the scripture is clear in this, in this chapter and also in other parts of the Bible is that the way that we treat one another, our horizontal relationships are a direct reflection of our vertical relationship. That our willingness to obey the scripture can first be traced back to our willingness to obey our Lord. If we want to hold tightly to any of these areas and say no, we just have to know that we're saying no to the Lord. Not to our spouses, not to parents or children or employers. Or, you know, we're saying no to the Lord. And we're called to submit one another out of reverence for Christ, to humble ourselves and to prefer the will and the good of another before ourselves out of worship for Christ, the one who first did that for us. That's our, our joy, our privilege, and where we're going to find peace in life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you reveal it to us and that you show us life. God, be honored in the way that we interact with people around us. Be honored in our relationships as we submit to one another out of reverence for you. God, that there's no one that that we're better than But we're all equal before you, Jesus, equal recipients of grace. Therefore, we freely give it to everyone around us. Father, your word, you tell us that the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the objective of the devil is to destroy our lives and thus destroy our worship of you. God, increase in us humility that we would follow you and find abundant life in your presence. God work in our hearts if there's anywhere in our hearts today anyone in here that we're holding tightly to our preferences to our ways to what we think is most important that we would willingly lay it down at your feet Jesus you're good you're really good to us thank you God Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.